An Australia without rugby league is not Australia. our society from hundreds of years. It's people's escape, it's people's relaxation and we need to do everything in order to continue that great uh, tradition of rugby league. It has been those Australians who have worked hard every day. They have their dreams, they have their aspirations. And welcome to Fire Ups Quiet Australia. Chris Gale here with Dennis Carnahan, who's going to introduce us to a special guest very soon. Stephen Ferris not with us today. He's heard that Andrew Abdo is making $50 million of cuts to the NRL and he's gone cap in hand to try and preserve his finals DJ gig. We wish him very well. But we are Fire Ups Quiet Australia, brought to you by Doughboy Pizza. We're loving having Doughboy on board. They've got locations in Artam and Bondi and Randwick and the surrounding suburbs. Celebrating 20 years, they clover, oh, clover. They cover all your classics, spelt, wholemeal, sourdough, original gluten-free, gluten half and half pizzas, vegan pizzas Ooh. available. Order now on doughboypizza.com.au and use the code FIREUP. F-I-R-E space U-P, no exclamation mark. Okay, no space. F-I-R-E-U-P, oh, okay. no space for 20% off. Now, Dennis, Stephen's not with us. Mm -hmm. Delight us with who we have as a special well, look, guest I thought today. As the, 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 some of the quietest Australians at the moment are Tigers fans because they've got nothing to be noisy about. And you'll, you'll notice I'm wearing my 87 Woodgers jersey today, which I haven't worn before on the show to celebrate. We've got another Tigers fan here and we might have some conversion therapy today. But uh, Ant Sharwood, welcome to the show. It's very lovely to be here, gentlemen. And, and look... Um, yeah, it's another one of those seasons for, for the Tigers. But, uh, Dennis, are you actually aware what happened? Were you passed out at halftime, or do you actually know how that 87 grand final actually Bruce turned Maguire, out? Bruce McGuire, yeah. yada, yada. No, that's yeah, 89. Yeah. That's 89. Oh, oh, no, no, 87. This is, yes, 87 I was, this is the 87 jersey. Yeah. I, was, I actually pretty much was passed out because <laughs> we flew up on a package deal on Anset, which mum paid for, and I'd just turned 21 and I was on the cans. By the time we got there, by the time the reserve parade had finished, the whole 200 people, no one knew what happened. We didn't care. We went home singing. It was it was fantastic. But wow. it is, of course, the same jersey they wore in 89. That was the Cliffy Lions. Uh, I don't, though, I, I, it? It was I the Cliffy Lions touch footy. Yeah. I don't want to be critical of your mum. I'm sure she's a lovely woman, but she's an enabler, Dennis. Come on. <laughs> and, and by the way, 21 and still having your mum pay for your holidays. But anyway. Yeah. A musician. Come on. <laughs> With Stephen not here, Ant, we're going to uh, change it up and actually talk about rugby league. And we're actually <laughs> going to talk about what happened last weekend. And there were certain events down south, Dennis, where I thought it was a you know, seismic shift, the tectonic plates of the New South Wales in a... Uh, East Coast had moved, but of course it was a water bottle that had been thrown by one Ricky Stewart, yes? Well, yeah, there's been a history of water bottle throwing in rugby league. And um, it's just been announced that Ricky's going to receive a $10,000 fine for throwing the water bottle, but it's going to be suspended if he pulls his head in. So he's Now, previously, it was Georgie Burgess who was outraged that a ball was thrown at Paul Carter's head by the evil... What's his name again? But it was Paul Carter. He was the hooker, and it was... Oh, I had his name. Give he's me now play, He's now playing for the <laughs> Parramatta Eels. Who? George Burgess. No, George Burgess threw the ball, but initially the, the, the bottle, it was initially thrown by um, Kane Evans. Ah. 
who ran, he threw the ball at Paul Carter, and as he ran off, George Burgess is on the bench. He's got an empty water bottle, and there's George, there's Kane Evans. And who hasn't wanted to throw a water bottle at Kane Evans? <laughs> he throws it, he misses, he gets two weeks. But, Ricky Stewart, a little bit outraged that Jackie Boy is sent off, and. I'm outraged as well. And there's been one article on Fox Sports showing Jackie Boy is off the line, but it's after the ball's been played. So when the ball is being played, he is clear. If they are going to penalise when a player goes off the line as the ball is played, we're not going to have rugby league. We're going to go back, <laughs> as Ricky said, to rugby union. And that's, what, and that's what Ricky called it. He said, this is like rugby union. If you're going to penalise that finicky, we're going to go back to the... the Last year, when we had that crackdown, no one liked the crackdown. Can I can I quote Ricky for you, gentlemen, on that particular point? By the Please. way, when you say people wanted to take a shot at Kane Evans, I think of Kane Evans himself taking a shot. Shadow boxing takes me to Dylan Marper. <laughs> Marper it's, it's just an unhappy sight. I wasn't happy with too much. Well, that's Ricky every week. That was a shocking game of football. If I if we had to put some lineouts, if we'd put some lineouts in when the ball went out, we would have had two rugby union games here in two days. Disgraceful. And what was your take on the performance put on by the Raiders and the Warriors? I'd be interested in the take of St Edmunds College, Ricky's alma mater, <laughs> where he was the star rugby union halfback. Um, every time he bags rugby union. But uh, oh, look, I thought I thought I thought the Raiders. Um, I think the Raiders are impressive. They're just one game short, aren't they? If they were in the four, because they're going to finish fifth, if they had won one more game somewhere back in the season... So you're not even backing your Tigers to beat the Eels this weekend? Well, I'd love to, for your sake. I would really, really love to have a, have a nice slice of Mitchell Moses pie. That would be delicious. I just don't think it's going to happen. Wouldn't be very hard. It'd be a nice soft pie. <laughs> Now, what's your thought there, Dennis? I mean, normally a coach goes out, well, we, maybe we weren't at our best, but a win's a win. But he's describing his own team as putting on a shocking display. What's the mind games being played by the former game's greatest thinker? No, I don't think he's accusing his own team. Oh, really? No, he's accusing the referees. It was... A, it was a... Well, that's a beautiful segue but, into his next quote. But he, won't, but he won't say that. He can't say that. Well, this is what he did fine. say. What did he say? If my team was giving those penalties away, that's well and good. We get penalised for it. They were doing the same type of things and not getting penalised for it. It really frustrates me. And if I say anything, you just get payback. Payback. Now, what's he talking about there? Was it all going to put a hit on him or what's the story? <laughs> well, they, they could. They might. You, know, you, know, you never know. The, the, the island of Kithra probably has some assassins around the place. Abdo might you know, get someone from South Africa. He's been in dodgy banking, hasn't he? Right. <laughs> he it, might know people. I, I can never remember if it was Bermuda or the Cayman Islands. or I think it was both, actually. But... Now, he's got $10,000 fully suspended. He's running, what, about 160000 all-time uh, 170. He, he so. is the game's, as well as being the game's greatest thinker, he is the most fined coach. He 170 has, all suspended? He, no, no, no. This 10 is suspended. He's oh, paid yeah. 170. Wow. So he's the most fined coach. Does he play that out history. of his pocket? I've always wanted to know, and maybe some people listening want to know this as well. Does he pay it out of his pocket or, or does the club pay? don't. Uh, I don't know. Well, I know that I have, on three occasions, put money into GoFundMe <laughs> for Ricky. So, wow. Set up um, by Ricky. Not, not set up by Ricky. Just friends of Ricky. Set up by fans yeah, who, yeah. Uh, who, who put it in. Um, this was obviously, you know, prior, when he was blowing up for Parramatta, blowing up for Sharks. I wasn't putting in for GoFundMe there. But uh, he, he was uh, See, I, I do think, though, this game, all the Fox Sports people saying, I Corey, Nor Corey Norman, Corey Parker, oh, the Raiders aren't looking that good in the finals <laughs> this game, you know. Gee, he's got a 
lightning exciting voice. <laughs> he was saying that I think this was a great game coming into semis. This was dirty. It was hard. It was nasty. They had the refs against them. That's what the semis are like for Raiders. And Ricky seemed to resent the fact that the Warriors were having a crack you know, free of the burden of qualifying the finals. But I would have thought that's the pressure he wanted to be put under. Exactly. And they're also having a free to have a crack without the burden of the referee penalising them for the same things they were being penalised for themselves! <laughs> by, the, oh, by, the way, by the way, one, he was offside and it was repeated infringements, 10 in the bin. Thank you very much. He wasn't offside. Uh, anyway. He wasn't offside. We, we have a plan, Ant, for out in the Moore Park Precinct once they get the new Alliance built, uh, mm. a Hall of Shame. It's a pyramid-style structure at the end of the Tibby Cotter Bridge. There'll be a coach's wing. <laughs> but then no one will see it if it's, uh, if it's at the end of the Tibby Cotter Bridge. <laughs> well, let's just say we're off piste as far as the <laughs> NRL's concerned. But there will be uh, a coach's wing, and you'll actually be able to go to Ricky, and there'll be a live digital counter with his fines and where they go. <laughs> and now we'll have to have real and suspended. It's getting complicated. Will this there is, be a little bed? installation art, isn't it? <laughs> this will the installation have a little bed for Curtis Scott? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what, what, we've got an arrangement. Mal doesn't know it yet, but we're definitely going to, um, when, you know, as I believe happens to all of us, when Mal does shuffle off this mortal coil, um, we're going to inter him in a sarcophagus. <laughs> and uh, we, we, we hope in 400 years' time, whoever's around, and they may not be of this planet, they come to this and disentomb and see what we were like and that the example, the exemplar of what we were like was Mal Meninga and what better representative could we possibly have. Now, of course, there was follow-up and I believe that uh, for the first... Now, isn't this interesting? Ricky spoken to Director of Referees Graeme Annesley for the first time since the controversial six again last year in the grand final and he was saying in relation to the Jack Whiten thing, you know, the old, you'd hate it to happen in a semi-final. Now, he's posturing, clearly. But here's what he said about Graeme Annesley. Mm-hmm. This is your coach. Yep. Now, look... Graham Annesley is a really nice man. He's been in the game for a long time. But in regards to rugby league, we are planets apart. What's he saying there? Boy, well, this is, you know, this is coming, again, this is very much into the, the language of Volandis, that you've got the Apollo mission going to the moon. Ricky's saying that, that the mission to get rugby league started up again post the lockdown, that was nothing. The mission was nothing compared to how far apart Annesley is from the coaches, and obviously Ricky speaks for all the coaches because he's the game's greatest thinker and he's the best coach. And, and if he doesn't get the Dalian for, for coach of the year, you'll know that it's a <laughs> setup. You'll know it's rigged. Um, and he's saying, he's saying he's on a different planet. They're on different planets. And it is, you were discussing earlier, what, what, what planets? Well, I mean, I think it's fairly straightforward that most rugby league fans would say that the referees are Uranus. And... Oh. Um, that was coming. Yeah. yeah. That was just coming. So, so, you know, he was pretty mercurial. I, I go back to that oh. uh, 1990 kangaroo um, involving Mal Meninga, that great run by oh. Ricky. Is he Mercury? Bit of Quicksilver there? Yeah, he's a bit of Quicksilver because he didn't quite have the, the toe to go the whole way himself. And he did look outside and go, there's Andrew Enningshausen. He can turn the light off and be in bed before it's dark. There's Mel Meninga with three people around him. Here you go, Mel. I'll back Mel. And that was, that was a beautiful thing. What, what so he- I think he was mercurial. What heavenly body would you liken Ricky Stewart to? Andy? I don't know. Maybe, maybe um, satin, perhaps, because of all the rings. <laughs> <laughs> you can read into that what you like. He went on to say, and I wonder if, in fact, he's not from the planet Xeno or something like that. <laughs> Thank God COVID is in because we wouldn't get any more than 6,000 of these games. Now, look. This has been a pandemic. This has been disruption on a global scale. People have lost their lives. Is it appropriate that Ricky Stewart is making COVID jokes at this particular juncture? I don't think Ricky was making a joke. Oh. Ricky doesn't make jokes. <laughs> Ricky was serious saying that if there wasn't, you know, that the people wouldn't come to this brand of rugby league, if that's how it was, 
And, you know, it has to be said, and it was even picked up in commentary by the great analyst, Andrew Voss, who said, uh, 7-1 penalty count in the first half. Let's see what happens in the second half, because these things have a funny way of evening themselves <laughs> out. 7-6 final count. I thought it was 8-all. Was it, was it eight all? Yeah, <laughs> and and you could see Ricky mouthing the word manage, but he's learned the Ivan Cleary story. He's learned the Ivan oh, Cleary yeah. story. So is, is that why he was blowing? He put his hand over his mouth to cover that. It was quite the weekend for coaches. Uh, obviously, we had uh, our team and mm. really what looked like an exhibition game up at the Sunshine Coast. Uh, certainly, Joey Le Lewis seemed to take that attitude towards it. Uh, the Melbourne Storm defeated the West Tigers by the June of 50 to 22. But there was a, a great moment where Lucifer himself, old Beelzebub, wasn't a knock-on. I think Luciana Lelua, in a fit of pique, had just raked the ball back with his hand and uh, Cam Smith went on to score. And what happened after that, Dennis? Well, what happened then was that the devil came to play. The devil went down to Georgia. The devil <laughs> scored a try and uh, he saw Johnny, little Johnny, playing the fiddle up in the, up in the coach's box and he's given him the point. He's gone the Babe Ruth. <laughs> that one's for you. Because that was, of course, the try that took him ahead of his coach's score, his coach's total tries in career, which is a, a great moment for Cam. And as uh, Bellyache pointed out, Cam's played, what, 400 and something? 428, something 428 like that. games, and yeah. Bellyache played 140. Yeah. So the strike rate's a bit different. But, you know, Bellyache was, of course, a um, more of a defensive centre than a strike weapon. He had Matty Corkery outside him. That was the strike weapon. I saw an interview with uh, Matthew Elliott uh, on the Matty John show on Thursday, and, like, I couldn't have told you that Matthew Elliott had played rugby league at a first-grade level. It mm. apparently did for the Dragons. I feel that same way about Bellamy. He doesn't really... <laughs> See yourself into the memory, does he? I mean, Dennis remembers him because Dennis used to go to every game at Seaford Oval, didn't well, he? I didn't but go to every game, but I did go to a few. Caught the special action, I, I, action I bus I remember him from my Canberra youth, even though I'm not a Raiders fan. Um, I think he was, at best, a, a solid clubman. Did he Did he ever sort of reach higher heights than that? No. Was he ever on the verge of rep selection? Or? No. You wouldn't accuse him of that, no. Uh, didn't you used to no, give him a bit of love when you were... Well, we did uh, love him. We loved all the Raiders. We still do. And I, look... I don't know if I've told this story on the show before, but there was a day where... Don't let that stop you. (laughs) Well, no one listens anyway, so I might as well repeat myself. I'm of an age where I'm allowed to repeat stories. The the local podcasting legislation that Paul Fletcher just put through says that podcasts need only to be 85% original content, so we're we're good. Fantastic. Well, we'd watched the episode of The Goodies that week. Obviously, Goodies was huge in in Canberra um, in the... You need a bit of, in, in the early 80s. You need a bit of slapstick when you're dominated by the public service and government, <laughs> yeah. don't you? And um, that, episode, that week there'd been an episode where the naturalists, the British naturalists, were all being oppressed by the developers because the naturalists were saying, we shouldn't be developing this land, we should be leaving this land free. And they all got captured by the developers. And to escape, they dressed as rabbits and hopped out of the building. And I it, know where this is going. It, right? became, wow. it became a Watership Down parody. And... One of the naturalists, of course, is the great David Bellamy, who was famous for having a lisp and yeah. loving uprooting things. And <laughs> he got lost in the goodies. So all the goodies were hopping around in bunny suits going, Bellamy, Bellamy. So this is obviously the thing that a high school boy is going to do on the hill at Seaford Oval when Bellamy gets the ball, start hopping around going, Bellamy, Bellamy. And other people have seen the show. So we, I reckon we had probably 60 people hopping around the hill going Bellamy. And there was one certain boy from Portland in New South Wales looking up from his shoulder pads going, what are these idiots doing? Why are they calling my name in falsetto? It's, it's one of the great things about rugby league when it was played at grounds with hills, which uh-huh. there are a precious few of left. 
is that you could sledge a player on mass with your mates, and you knew <laughs> that player could hear. You. Could hear it exactly. Yeah, right. And that's actually in the NBA right now. Uh, what's happening is. People, you know, players who are sitting on the sideline and coaches are getting tech fouled because they can actually hear what they're saying about them. <laughs> but, but it's an interesting point with no crowds. But it's an interesting point because we've been talking here a lot about the Volantis vision of four mini Bank West, their community assets. I, I went out to Bank West the other day or Western Sydney Stadium, as Dennis likes to refer to it. And they do have an outdoor basketball court that anyone can go on. So by definition, community asset. Yeah. But surely <laughs> Gladys would look more favourably upon four mini Bank Wests if embedded in each was a hill. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you could. You, you, that's what the old Parramatta Stadium was supposed to be, wasn't it? Before they demolished it and made it into Bank West. Yeah. So um, I thought that was a pretty good model for a ground. I know, I know it had its its flaws and its issues, but yeah, couldn't you make Bank West with just just a thousand standing room worth just. of hill? Well, they, actually, they've done that in the modern football stadiums in the UK, as they've got some form of terraces. Like, I think it's been... Well, speaking of, of football, that archaic code, the 19th century, where they had a round ball, um, when they, the COS players come in and play A-League at Western Sydney Stadium, they actually take the seats out at the end. So the red and black block, they yep. have handrails and yep. they stand at the rails, which to me is much... It allows the feral. They're standing up, they're yelling, they're singing, they're chanting. I'd love a section like that. There is no greater romance than the hill at Leichhardt, is there? Um, well, I, I don't know exactly what you do when you're standing on the hill there, but it sounds, <laughs> sounds like those trees at the back behind the scoreboard get the Wayne... Get, get a bit of a word No, no, that, you, you've there. got me wrong. I think it's incredibly romantic. They've still got a hill. I haven't actually watched a game on the hill this, <laughs> this millennium. <laughs> Are you, you kidding? Well, I <laughs> and it's called Wayne Pierce Hill. Yes. Come on. And I, and I have a terrific view of it from across the other side. <laughs> well, I'm a paying customer when I go, and um, I... I stand on the hill, oh. and it, it, it is the best place to watch the game. It's terrific. Oh, and I can assure you, I pay. I pay all the time. <laughs> I do wonder, with just back to Ricky and his planets, do you think he's a fan of Gustav Holst? Because Gustav, mm. of course, wrote the famous suite for mm. the planets, which mm. is very clearly copied um, by Williams in Star Wars, and that's wow. been made very clear. Just hummus a bar, then? Um, well, I can play Mars. Here you go. <laughs> see, <laughs> see what comes out here. BBC Proms. Oh, and I've got my computer on mute. So, yeah, that's not the exciting that's part. Not coming yeah, through. I, pro I probably need some time to get the exciting part. What I can tell you is that if you go to the original Black Sabbath album, you will find that that's essentially... Heavy metal was created as a hybrid of swing music and Hulse of the Planets. <laughs> this is True story. the beautiful thing about <laughs> rugby league. It's, it's an educational game, mm, isn't absolutely. it? Absolutely. You, you never, you stop, never learning. stop learning. Never. It's, you, you, and this is where the most successful coaches are creating learning environments. And if we perhaps uh, sign off on the third in this section, the third uh, great NRL coaching story that came out during or after the game was uh, Dean Young's press conference for the St. George Illawarra Dragons after they got absolutely pulverised on the weekend. I don't even think they turned up against the Newcastle Knights. And uh, Dean uh, had this to say about the performance of the boys. Today, the first time you, you questioned the, the competitiveness and the competing from the boys? Yeah. I just think that well, we wouldn't have beaten Dap, though, today, the way we played that first half. It was just under eight stuff. Ooh. Harsh words from Dean Young and, you know, really leaving a love letter to a team he's absolutely abandoning as he heads up to North Queensland. Is that right? Is that where he's going? As an assistant. Yeah, as an assistant mm. coach to 
one of the very handsome... I say there's a couple of really handsome men who've come into rugby league this year and, and I'm referring to Stephen Crichton for Penrith mm. and Nico Hines, the Heath Ledger lookalike for the Storms. But and there's young Gordon Ramsay's a, you know, a good-looking uh, yeah, young man. He's, he's a bit more earthy to me. I mean, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't call him male model, model from mudgy type thing. <laughs> well, he's from orange. Yeah, for Isn't a start. So, yeah. Whereas in the coaching ranks, I mean, I think uh, Todd Payton certainly glams up uh, the look stakes for the Ming the coach. Merciless. Ming the Merciless, penetrating And he's eyes. looking more and more merciless as he goes on. Yeah, well, he certainly um, trounced the Cowboys. But look, I know you're, you're obviously a journalist of, um, well, you're Walkley Award winning. And let's not pull any punches here. Mm. So I imagine Dean Ritchie's one of your favourites. Um, <laughs> you know what? I love good tabloid journalism. I actually do. I'm a fan of Buzz Rothfield. Um, I know that's not a... Well, yeah, you're amongst friends here. Necessarily, necessarily a polite thing to say in certain company. I'm a fan of... Um, I love great tabloid journalism because at its heart, tabloid journalism can be fun. When it's, when it's having fun, it's great. Yep. And, and I think Dean Ritchie um, had a lot of fun, didn't he? He sure did. By the way, Buzz's campaign to get the Dalian medal into the hands of Craig Gower from 2003 shows that it is a pretty slow week in football. But um, he, he went to the source uh, bulldog this morning in the Daily Astonisher yep. and said, um, Coach Dean Young said after St George Illawarra's capitulation on Sunday that his side would struggle to beat the Dapto under eights. And guess who agrees? Uh, Dapto under eights player Corey Featherstone who says, we could beat them. They are playing bad. <laughs> his, his, his teammate... Crew Braddocker, which is now the newest fantastic name in rugby league. Crew wow. Braddocker explained, we get to dummy half every time and we share the ball around. So they're obviously disciples of the Walkers brothers at these yep. Ipswich Jets. Everyone on our team goes hard and we tackle around the legs. None of this wrap the arms. No, he didn't say that. We are the best Dapto team. And uh, just goes on to say that uh, Crew has the makings of fullback. Bentley Edwards is likely to play on the wing. And Kobe Morgan is a future halfback. I mean, this is a prototype rugby league you, you team just, for the future. You just know that some of these kids are going to bob up in first grade co colours oh, in, sure. in years to come. For sure. And there'll be, you know, there's a player, I can't think who it is, but someone was in a grand final shot and there they were winning their own premiership. And they, these kids are going to be those kids, those yeah. adults. They're... Yeah. Well, this is an expression that I've actually trademarked. Children are our future. And... <laughs> Crew is our best player, according to that? Joel Bradiker. Yeah, Bentley is small but has no fear, so he's like a Jeff Tuvey like He loves to run down the side, which the Roosters are doing a lot of blindside work Ooh, at the moment. Oh, the short side. That's a Paul Osborne play. And, and Kobe would be more of a halfback. He's an organiser, so like Ben Hunt desperately needs to step aside. <laughs> and um, the Dapto Junior Rugby League president, Jason Tunbridge, said it all. Our under eight kids love their footy and listen to their coaches. They just love having fun with their friends. So there's so much we can learn from our kids. There's so much St. George Illawarra can learn from our kids. Now, Ant, we're thrilled to have you and we're going to deep dive into your rugby league story and what you've been up to after the break. You're on Fire Up's Quiet Australia. Where the f are you? There's four tower humans in the cab and you're in bed. F me, Fire Up. Welcome back to Fire Up's Quiet Australia. Chris Scar with Dennis Carnahan, Stephen Ferris. He's not even on assignment. He's cap in hand with Andrew Abdo saying, please let me DJ the NRL finals. And I join in that chorus and say, please don't let him DJ the final. But we've got a special guest with us today, Dennis. Yes, we have. Ant Sharwood, who's the, the author of this little book here. Now, I'm going to ask a couple of hard-hitting questions, Ant, straight mm. up. Yep. Before we came on, you said, call me Ant, not Anthony. Yeah. Because you feel it's a little less formal. But your name's Anthony. I know I've also known of you as Suma. Yeah, that was an old yeah. name. An old name. An old camera. Suma. Name. I've yep. also heard you called just Sharwood, quite yep. disrespectfully. Sure. 
And I noticed on Facebook this morning, someone has yeah. called you Ash. Yeah. Because a Sharwood Ash. Is ah, that... Ah, clever. clever. So what I'm wondering here with this book, is this a little tribute to Charlene? The I've been to paradise because you're describing the book that the mountains is, you know, yeah. Brindabellas, this is your paradise. Yeah. From snow to ash. You found yourself in the Brindabellas. You've been to paradise. Now you've been to you. Is that what the book's about? Wow, mate. You can, you can get a, a musical analogy out of anything. You you really are incredible. I just want to get Charlene in there more. Wow, I just want to hear you sing Charlene now. But but um, no, it's got nothing to do, to do with that. But thank you for um, shamelessly plugging my, my book, uh, From Snow to Ash. Um which is a, about a walk I did, um, actually away from the world of sports journalism, where I was working last year. I was working at Channel Ten last year. I was, I think, I killed sports tonight. You can blame me for killing sports tonight. Has it gone? Yeah, it's gone again. It's, it's, it's actually. Yeah, see, that, that's the whole you point. Hadn't even noticed. That's the whole point. Nobody knew. Um, like Webster was part of my ritual back in the nineties. Tim Webster was. Yes, it was pre-internet. It was an absolute god, and there was no internet. And what we tried to do last year at Sports Tonight, we tried to bring it back and say and be a midweek wrap. And we actually, we actually went okay. Our ratings were okay, but one thing or another, Channel 10. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, and so de- I, decimation over there. But Matty Burke, he was on it, wasn't he? Uh, no, he filled in when, when I um, wasn't there. But no, because, you know, Burke, was busy reading the news. And um, we, we had a special crew. There was me, there was Ros Kelly, there was Scotty McKinnon. There was, there was uh, we, we, had, we had good fun. Um, you know, Channel 10 made all kinds of changes at the end of the year. I walked away. I've always been a snowy mountains person, a skiing person, um, and I I walked the length of the thing called the Australian Alps walking track, which um, goes from pretty much Melbourne to Canberra uh, through the mountains. Uh, got most of it done before the black summer kicked in. Ooh. Yeah, and you know, but but um, oh, so the book I've written is 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 about the mountains, but it's also about all the shit that was going through my head while I walked through them. And at one point, I. I wrote about a story that um, I, I first wrote in 2017, and that story was about the tigers. Yes. Yeah, now, this story to me, this is what when, when you read the Todd Carney book, the first yeah. thing you want to get to is a story about the bubbler. When you read yeah. Gell's book, the first thing you want is to hear about <laughs> the peptides. When you read your book, you want to hear about this because you wrote a very sensitive topic, divorce. Yeah. You wrote an article about divorce, which when it comes to rugby league, you know, we've had no fault divorce in Australia, what, 1960 that came in? <laughs> and you... Wrote had a salary cap since... No, no. <laughs> and you wrote that you wanted to divorce your club, the West Tigers, and yep. they caused outrage. I was destroyed by the internet. It was the pylon to end all pylons. And it was, it was one of those stories that you write as an idea. And basically, you know, you'll, you'll relate to this. Chris. Look, at Chris, the, look at the horror on Chris's yeah, face. Yeah, but, but you relate to it like... <laughs> no, like, no, I'm just <laughs> this, running the scenario through my mind right now. This was in the heart of the Marina Go years. Okay. And, and I was... Just appalled at the the corporate gobbledygook and the 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 way this club was being run and the the way we seemed to have no future and I was right because you know we still seem to have no future um, and I just wanted to make a statement and so what I stupidly did and, I, and and this is this is the point I admit it was stupid now I wrote a column saying I'm divorcing my football team and and as I say it was the pylon to end all pylons in the internet and you know as I'm sitting on a hill with my life flashing before my eyes, a lot, a lot of shit happened to me over the summer as I did this hike. But, you know, I, I, I thought about that article and, you know, I'll just read one line here. I, I, I still believe that the article had at least 
theoretical merit because it's, <laughs> it's an idea worth exploring. If a relationship's not working out, if a government's not working out, if something's not working out in our life, we ditch it. If your football team's not working out, why can't you ditch it? Well, as I say, I still believe the article had at least theoretical merit, but I know now what I did wrong. It was to declare the divorce underway rather than an abstract revenge fantasy that mm. I'd never follow through with. People then would have gone, yeah, I feel your pain, because that's what's being what being a fan's all about, collective joy, collective pain. And I should have gone, I feel like divorcing this bloody club because of how they're being run, not I am. So um, I'm sorry, Universe. I'm sorry, West <laughs> Tigers. I'm sorry, sports fans who attack me on the internet. I'm sorry, the red heifer, Brendan Johnson, if you're listening, because you're a massive Tigers fan and you smashed me on Twitter, <laughs> but you've just bought my book, so you're a good bloke. And um, I'm sorry, everyone, but but that's that's where I went, and I'm back, and I'm still a Tigers fan. So a couple of questions come to mind. Was it mainly Tigers fans or pile on, or were they just of all different allegiances? No, that, that was exactly... The, even Ladies Who League, um, Mary Kay. Oh, Mary Kay. She, she smashed me. Ma she, Mary Kay. And when Mary sm Kay smashes you, you know you're a dickhead. Oh, yeah. Is like, it a velvet, a velvet glove? No, the she, velvet hammer. She destroyed me. She 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 wrote a piece saying why I would never d divorce my team, <laughs> and of course the universe loved her, and so they should have. Yeah. In fairness, she's been with a team that hasn't won since 1986. So I mean, you know, she's trapped, and and when you're trapped, you're sort of it's a Stockholm syndrome situation. <laughs> now, and, but what about the options here? Yeah, counselling. Separation. Did yeah. you not consider those? That's really good. A I trial, I, a I, trial separation. And yeah. who could you go to for counselling about you and your team? Ricky, <laughs> like straight up. You, you, you're, this is this is going. To, you're a Canberra boy. Yeah. You, you, you're raised. In, you weren't born, but you're raised in Canberra. Mm. You you say that '89 was the worst day of your life. Mm. Come home. Oh uh, no, no, that, that was never an option. See, that was never an option. And I tried not being a fan, and it just it just failed because I kept looking the results up, and and so I, I disproved my own thesis without even trying to. Because you, you, you actually it, it actually is in your blood. Once you've got a team, it's your team. The, the, the thing, were you at the 89 grand final? I certainly was. Yeah, right. So was I. And <laughs> the thing that slightly galls me about this, because we can point to about 12 things, one of which happens differently. We win. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The McNeil ankle tap, the Benny yeah. Field goal. The shirt's not the fitting. Ball, the outrageous penalty from Bill Harrigan on Bruce McGuire. <laughs> Broken finger on Gary Jack. Yeah, yeah. But, the, but there was something being at the game that at least helped me process that I thought possibly Canberra might have been playing the better football mm. over the course. But in the space of one month, I broke my leg playing basketball. My <laughs> house was robbed and the Tigers lost the grand final in extra time. And I say, re-break my leg, re-rob my house. Just yeah. give me that moment. Yeah. As, as a um, fellow survivor... Um, <laughs> and having lived through the merger from the Balmain side... Is that why the band that wrote Over the Tiger called themselves that? Yeah. Yeah. If you actually go to the full... Name of that band—it's <laughs> Balmain's Tiger Survivors. Uh, how does 2005 sit for you? Is it is is it the same level of joy that you would have got had they won in '89, or is it different? Um, it, it's a really interesting question. Here's my answer: um, In '88 and '89, we were building to it, and after the the the, the flop of '88—not the flop, but the failure in, to win in '88, which you sort of sense was going to happen even before Terry Lamb took out Errol Ellery. Oh, sorry, I heard, sorry. Capriciously, yeah. Well, <laughs> With malice of forethought. I heard Tellery Lamb um, just last week or the week before on on the Big Sports Breakfast uh, in Sydney doing doing an interview about that, and he said he met Ellery years after, and Ellery he just said, you know said to Ellery it wasn't intentional. And 
30 years on, if you're never going to fess up. I still did Ellery say, sorry, I don't know who you are. I have no memory of that day <laughs> for some reason, Terry. I still have the letter when Lamb was appointed coach, I, I think replacing Junior from yeah. memory, early in our history. And what a tremendous run he had as coach <laughs> overseeing the Hopperway Finger episode. But let alone... A game against North Queensland Cowboys at Campbelltown where Hopawati was um, referred to the judiciary on 11 separate incidents. He wrote a letter saying, um, look, it was one of those tackles that went wrong. I went high, Andrew Farrow went low. Uh, there was no malice of forethought in it. And he goes, and everyone has, every rugby league, colourful rugby league character has these colourful incidents in there. But it was tantamount to a confession. And, I mean... I, I've never recovered, yeah. and I, I finally found myself with a chance to say how badly I felt to Ellery Hanley at a New Year's Eve dance party at the Horden Pavilion, and we go, <laughs> there's Ellery Hanley, and me and my mate goes, let's follow him. We lost him in 15 seconds, but, you know, there yeah. you go. Murder so, on the dance floor. Look, look I mean, yeah, that, that's ridiculous that, that, that Lamb still hasn't, you know, he's like No, it's fine. not. I'm, I'm, I'm so, so, <laughs> you know, just can't say it. My but, hope is that Luke Keery is remembered as the greatest backup player because they always say Lamb is the best backer-upper. Backer-upper, yeah, yeah, so yeah backer I think is the official term. But, but look, back to that. So in 88, you thought, well, we might not win this. And in 89, you thought we were due. So it was really painful that mm -hmm. we didn't come come home with the chockies there. In 2005, that was out of the blue, right? That was out of the blue. So it was wonderful. But i tell you what I'd like mm -hmm. more than another premiership. I'd like the expectation of a premiership. Yeah, well, right. And, and, and I really mean this. Like, as wonderful as it was to see... Blokes, you just never thought we're gonna like like Mark O'Neill. You know, one of the great trivia questions: who was the who was the premiership winning captain in two thousand and five? You know, and he's still at the club. Scott, he's still... Scott Prince, actually. Uh, but... uh, yeah, wasn't, wasn't Mark O'Neill the captain? No, they they ditched him and they made Princey the captain for On the, the semis run. Remember? Well, Remember that, he... It's an even better trivia. It's question. the first time <laughs> anyone. He actually thanked the cows, and now I notice a lot of players refer to the Cowboys as the cows. Ah. But it's sort of it's sort of yeah. But the, the, the great trivia is O'Neill from the Balmain side and from the West side. Scandalous? Scandalous. Yeah. Um, so my point is, here, here's what I'd really like, and, and this is why I am so dis disappointed with the Tigers. This is why it hurts being a Tigers fan. Most years we don't have that expectation. 05 was great, but I want that feeling that we had in 9, 10, 11, yeah. and that we had back in 88, 89, where you started the season you thought, we've got the nucleus of a uh. premiership winning side here. And Tigers fans... Even though we did win one in 05, we haven't had that feeling for a very long I'm, time. I'm really sorry to say this. I might want to take your headphones off, but I do recall in 85 when the when the Queenslanders came down, who were all massively underrated. Yeah, they can play Origin, but can they go week in, week out? Well, yeah, actually quite a number of them can, did, and still do. Um, but then also the juniors coming up. And I remember when Ricky switched from being Australian schoolboys from the St Edmunds rugby halfback, he switched to the Raiders. And seeing they won the Premier's Cup, the, like the under-21s, in 87, 88, 86. And you just see these kiddies, the Lazarus kitty, the, you know, the late developing Clyde. So you got that sense for quite a few years leading up to... So 87, they weren't quite ready. But by 89, mm. and what was better as a... And Ricky still loves the siege mentality and Canberra still loves the... As the, in the Canberra siege, which you were obviously against and you were inside mm. trying to break it down. The action buses had the Woodges flags and the, <laughs> the Raiders song was playing at the bus interchanges and there was green dye in every the fountain. That was just me peeing. Was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, well, I thought you peed brown. Uh, that, was, that was what it says in the book. No, red. Red, dark red. Well, we've all been you'll there. Have, you'll have to read the book. But yeah, that sense of expectation, having that expectation then, sorry, fulfilled 
was that was the most amazing part because it was built up for three mm. or four years. Mm. Can I just say, Ant, you're in a safe space. <laughs> and <laughs> time, thankfully, prevents us from getting into the Marina Go years. Uh, and I just <laughs> want to send out a big hello to Chairman David Smith, as I like to refer to him. Uh, but one thing that I will say in terms of expectation and, you know, you've got to count your blessings as few as they are. And I'm sure I've said this on this show and we've still got the 85% content rule is when I left the 89 grand final, I left with the conviction that Balmain, the way I saw the game going sort of, you know, international and national and all that sort of stuff, Brisbane had come in camera, uh, that Balmain would never win a competition again. Mm. And then uh, jump forward to the merger meeting in 1999 at Balmain where it was just like there was only about six people voted against it and I think there were a few more voted against it understandably out of West. And it was an emotion-charged event, Laurie Nichols in tears um, and that beautiful um, romantic moment or quixotic moment at the end that he actually gave the Tigers his blessing before the first game of the merge entity and promptly died which mm. I think is so beautiful uh, but I remember walking down the steps onto Victoria Road and saying well the way I see modern sport and franchises and licenses I said it's possible never dreamed it would happen as quickly as it did bloody grateful that I was there that, for it because when's it going to happen again it's tough. Now, now your book, uh, I, had, uh, I haven't had the, the virtue of, and the luck of reading it, which I guarantee that I will, simply because we only lined you up yesterday. <laughs> but I read an interview, and one of the interesting things says, on, on, along the way you said, I trudged through knee-deep summer snow on the Borbore Plateau. Didn't know that was a thing. Yep. Having uh, Victoria's highest peak, Mount Bogong, to myself, which I imagine is a pretty usual thing. But sharing Australia's highest peak, Mount Kosciuszko, with 200-day hikers thinking, huh, I've come a bit further than you. Yep. Now... On an upcoming episode, are we able to say what's on an upcoming episode, Dennis, that you're going to be on on uh, Fox League? Are we able to talk about that? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So Dennis is on the folding out chair on the fan coming up, which will be, you know, a, oh, an unmissable still, episode. I'm still terrified that maybe we'll jinx it and it won't go to air if we say anything about it. But but yeah. one of the one of the tropes of Vossi this year is asking the questions of the players, and they go before Mount Everest discovered what was the tallest mountain in the world. How is it that Mount Kosciuszko has got into the soul of so many rugby league players that their answer is Mount Kosciuszko? Really? Is that what they answer? They all in, just play. You obviously don't watch the fan. Player after no, player goes, because the, the trick is Mount Everest was still the tallest mountain before it was discovered, right? And Vossi has to lead them to the answer. But player <laughs> after player, the likes of the Marshalls, the Madisons, it crosses national boundaries, wow. all reflexively go Kosciuszko. What is it about Mount Kosciuszko that's got into the national psyche? I don't know, but I'll tell you some stuff about Mount Kosciuszko that's in my book. Um, Streslecki was the first European to climb it in 1840, and he got it wrong. He climbed Mount the wrong, Thompson? He, Mount Townsend. Mount Townsend. Australia's second highest mountain. So, so look, <laughs> we're going in some beautiful rugby league places, because obviously the Australian Alps, the Snowy Mountains, are all about rugby league yep. in too many ways to count. Yep. Well, Kuma. But, Kuma's in the Snowy Mountains. And look what you got there. Sammy Williams. Yeah. Laurie Nichols is from Kuma. Laurie Nichols is Sammy Williams' uncle. And Think the, about there's that. A, there's a great rugby league team in Jindabyne, actually. The um, Oh, they're called the bloody Bush Pigs. Bush Pigs. Jindabyne Bush Pigs, <laughs> which are one of the great rugby league teams of Australia. But... but um, the, the um, yeah, so Streslecki, or Streza, as I call it, because I got really sick of typing Streslecki. Or trying to spell it. Yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah, because um, it's actually, oh, I won't even go there, but I just call him Streza in the book. And Streza climbs Mount Townsend, which is only 19 metres lower than Kosciuszko, right. and it's about five kilometres away. And, yeah, there's evidence that he definitely climbed Townsend. And then there's a painting in the National Gallery of Australia called Northeast View from Kosciuszko, and it's clearly from Townsend as well. Oh. So 
All I can say in answer to your question that on the Kosciuszko issue, it is a place of great confusion. Okay. Many people have mistaken it for other things. So the rugby league player brain is 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 clearly sucked into that vortex. I, they're probably sitting there thinking, oh, this is going to be a trick question. How would I possibly know? Probably going to be local. Why don't I just say Kosciuszko gets the highest mountain in Australia? I reckon that's what the rugby right. league brain is doing because okay. they're not, they're not, you don't study geography to go and play rugby league. What was the question? Like, What's the highest mountain what, before, before they discovered Before they discovered Everest. And so it's a trick because it was still, still highest. The highest it just wasn't discovered. discovered it. Oh, and, yeah, good. Yeah, and, go and, and, and when we say climb Mount Kosciuszko, we mean walk up Mount Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So did you, are you across Robbo's? Uh, is it Kosciuszko? No, Mount Kilimanjaro. The, the Kilimanjaro speech. speech? No. This is Trent Robinson's speech. No. They're all going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro, and there was a nasty day. And I was thinking, you needed this. You needed to hear it before. There's this marvelous speech. So, we, we, in, in an upcoming episode of Fire Up, we're going to deep dive on the Mount Kim, Kilimanjaro speech. It was on the. Benny's I set it to music. Yeah, yeah. It's just Dennis a bit complex. is going to do the music. It's Benny's for brand cancer, so it was the Mark Hughes group, and they were struggling, and they had a 12-hour trek to the top of the mountain ahead of them, and. Robbo came into the tents and said, boys, tomorrow's game day, and then gave a Churchillian speech. There are no excuses on game day. Yeah. He's, he's... No matter what gets thrown at us, we go up the mountain together. And then what happens? I love it. They go up there together! And this season, he's been using it, for example... Every game. In the uh, Queensland Bank Country Stadium or Country Bank Stadium, whatever it's called, before the Sunshine Townsville. Coast Stadium. Yeah. He's walked into the stadium at 5 o'clock on the afternoon in subtropical heat and said, tomorrow's game day, and we're climbing up the there mountain. There are no excuses Even on though game day. It uh, was right. game day, et cetera, et cetera. So I'm wondering whether, I don't know, uh, Chopper Reed and Roger Rogerson style, <laughs> whether we can get a, at the end of the season, maybe Ant and Robbo, a bit of a dual act. Out wow, about, about climbing mountains. And, and, and drawing the contrast between Anthony Seabold, who um, stuffed up with the Brisbane players by saying we, by saying we are climbing peakless mountains. And <laughs> you and Robbo can actually speak to the fact that mountains do have peaks, as indeed this show has breaks. So you're on Fire Up's Quite Australian. We'll be back after this. Wow. Alrightio, we're ready to fire up. I think we are. Welcome back for the last time today for Fire Up's Quite Australia with Dennis Carnahan and special guest, author, raconteur, hiker, Ant Sherwood. How'd the feet? I love being a raconteur. Mm. Love, love a good rack. Um, now, uh, the, 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 the feet are fine. Thank you. Terrific. I had good hiking boots. Yeah. I, I have trouble and, with and, and you wore two pairs of socks because one wicks away the sweat and the other offers protection. That is correct. I, I'm enormously <laughs> flat-footed, which uh, was good maybe to know as a child because then they weren't going to send me to war. Maybe three pairs for you then. Yeah, Do exactly. they still not send flat-footed people to either? I, I, I reckon if you need someone in the jungle, crouch down or, or you know behind a sand dune in Afghanistan, I don't think you care what their feet look like. Isn't it modern warfare? It's all done on screen. So as long as, <laughs> as, long as your thumbs are good. Now, guys, as you know, this show is sponsored by Doughboy Pizza. We're mm. thrilled to have them on board. And we have a listener testimonial from Alex Donnelly that I want to oh. share with you. On Tuesday night, so Redfern Pat gets this podcast loaded up very quickly. After a long day at work, knowing my fridge was completely empty at home, on the train to Bondi Junction, he was listening to Quiet Australia. And guess what? His stomach started to rumble. He hops online, doughboypizza.com.au. He's quick to order using the fire. The, he wrote this, by the way. He clearly is working in advertising. <laughs> he, he used the code F-I-R-E-U-P, i.e. fire up, 20% off. What a treat, he says. And he got himself a lovely three-course meal. Garlic and cheese bread, so cheesy, it made all of his pickup lines pale in comparison. <laughs> a Balboa pizza, which I've had, is delicious, uh, gave him his absolute day because it knocked him around. The thin crust base <laughs> topped with the meats were exactly what he needed. And to top it off, he treated himself with three 
count them, white chocolate and macadamia cookies. To say it was a party in my mouth is an understatement, says Alex. I think this is what love feels like, the amount I enjoyed <laughs> said cookies. I tell you what, Alex, um, if that's what love feels I'm like... I'm sold. I'm sold. Overall, a 25 out of 10 experience. Rugby league may yeah. be what the people want, but Doughboy Pizza is what we need. We couldn't agree more. We're going to have a competition for listeners who order through the F-I-R-U-P, F-I-R-E-U-P code. Fire up on doughboypizza.com.au to name an NRL pizza before the end of the season. So get on board. You get a 20% discount. And like Alex, you'll have a party in your mouth and you'll know what love feels like. Hungry? Wow. I, I think the Tigers would be the stuffed crust because because we buy crusty talent and they're always stuffed. Thank you very much. <laughs> Stuffful <laughs> of back-ended Cleary deals. Uh, Speaking of which, Ivan Cleary, the most evil man in rugby league given that uh, Cameron Smith is an entity being a god, uh, Lucifer Beelzebub himself. Uh, and you have an interesting fact, I guess, a fun fact even, on Panthers. Um I've been I've been throwing this this round for years. Panthers. Um, do you know what a panther is, Dennis? Uh, yes, it's a well, it's a big cat, mm-hmm. and in fact, literally, it's a big cat. So mm-hmm. you'll find that the um, don't give me one li- of your long answers. The give lion, me one of your short answers. The lion is Panthera leo. It's, it's the, the Panthera tigris. Panthera onca is the South African. It's the South American. What's it called? The puma. So <laughs> Panthera is the Latin word for big cat. What's a panther, Dennis? Well, what they talk in India, they talk about Panthera um, pardus, which is the leopard. Now, the leopard can have a melanin deficiency and becomes black cat. Yeah, I think the answer is yes. Well, he's a genius. <laughs> he's a genius. So, yes, I mean, to, to put that... We should have done this with me, right? Yeah, 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 we should have. So because... normally, normally your leopard has the, the um, gold with the brown spots and they're slightly different to the, um, the South American one. But the panther, it's a black, it's a black leopard. We, so, we... so when a mummy and a daddy panther love uh, or <laughs> leopard, or, or, leopard, or, leopard or tiger or, or yep. lion or, or, or jaguar love each other very much. Yep. And they have a special cuddle. Yeah. <laughs> occasionally they spit out a little black one. Yes. You've known Dennis for a long time. We came up with a concern when he triangulated the length of a Pat Richards field goal uh, from the <laughs> sideline for Wigan versus St Helens on the spot during the show. We question whether he is in a relationship. I mean, I yeah. mean, I mean, this it's, is just it's like amazing, isn't it? This is Zoidberg stuff. It's, isn't it? it's just well said, but yeah, I mean, just to. To, to make it really clear to the listeners who, who aren't as intelligent as Dennis, which is all of us. Um, it's not intelligence, it's just knowledge. There's a difference. There's a big difference. Yeah, I mean, there's no actual species called a panther. No. And I, I wrote this story for news.com.au for my sins where I worked once. And um, I asked then um, four panthers legends. I put it to them. It was Black Friday. That's why I wrote the story. I said, what is a panther? Do you know what the animal is? And only one of the four, and I'll tell you who the four were, only one of the four knew that it's not a species in its own right, but it's a black version of another big cat when it pops out a, a little unusually. Okay, I, I did the big four. You, you can even tell me. Who are the big four? Currently who, or how long ago? Of Panther's history. Who are the big four? Roycey Simmons. He, he's fifth. Who are, <laughs> who are the other big okay, four? Okay, Brandy Alexander. Correct. Uh, Mark Geyer. Correct. Bill Ashurst. Brady's art. <laughs> Zach Alionic. Oh, Colin Vandervoort. Good on you, oh, fellas. Like, like, just, and who's fourth? So go three. No, no, no. It wasn't <laughs> Colin Vandervoort. Graham, the, <laughs> Graham the Penguin Bradley. <laughs> just, oh, who was uh, one of my footy, Scanlon's footy cards in 1977? There was, 
Oh, I can't remember his name. Oh, the big man. The, the, the big man no, played for Penrith. <laughs> there Brayman. was the ultimate chockey soldier. I can't remember his name now. But <laughs> so you got so, Gaia. You got well, Brandy Alexander. You've got uh, Freddie Fitler. Yep. Was he one of them? Yeah. So there was Freddie, Brandy, MG, and Gus. Oh, of course. Yeah. So of those four, I put it to them: What is a panther? It was a good oh, yarn. It's and which one? Was it Brandy that knew it? Who, well, that's what I'm asking you. And the answer is, who's your second guess? Gus. Who's your third guess? Oh, no, don't tell MG. Oh, he's not as smart as he thinks. <laughs> so the only person who Brad knew Fittler. what a panther was was Brad Fittler. Well, Brad <laughs> Fittler. He's, he's speaking of dark morph of a big cat. He's a dark horse, isn't he? Yeah. Look, I, he, I, I think Freddie knows a lot of stuff. We were just about to lead into this. We are actually because Freddie sits at the feet of Gus, right? And a lot of his coaching strategy and, you know, little tips like I don't pick the team until I can pick the team and all that seemed to come from the school of Gus. Gus is known as the smartest person in the room regarding rugby league, but he can't be there forever. And I'm He's obviously not in the room with Ricky. That's right. And in fact he wasn't in the room on hundred percent footy last night. He was feeling unwell. Uh, I think Freddie is emerging as the smartest person in the room in rugby league. <laughs> and I have a theory that I want to put to you guys is that did you see the front page of the Sunday Astonisher with Freddie Fitler panicking for our youth? Yes. He's worried about the young people. And you were saying before, children are our future. Children are our future. And he's saying... That's I've, why he's in the gutter that day, isn't it? He was, he, was, <laughs> he was pondering the future of the youth. I've often said about Gladys Berejiklian, <laughs> who's you know been pretty well received for the work that she's done during the pandemic. But when we're looking at things like the lockout, I mean, Gladys has never been to a nightclub in her life, right? Freddie Fittler has lived life through all its variations. And she'd be a brilliant addition to his team. And I think he's positioning himself... Because he says, I've looked through the prism of my wow. daughters. There's nothing for them to do apart from maybe police sounds clubs. Like, sounds like growing up in I mean, Canberra. It sounds like the 60s. <laughs> and and, and you, know, you know what he's worried about? He's worried about screens. Screens. Because mm. you've seen the games and you know what's wrong with the games? They desensitise the youth to violence. You've got it. Whereas rugby league doesn't desensitise at all. It fires it up. Right. <laughs> so it encourages it. So look at these elements. And it, like kids have got nothing to do. They're lacking mm -hmm. direction. He's worried about violent oh, oh, video games. Is he worried about Cam Smith? Because idle hands are the devil's playground and Cam Smith <laughs> is the devil. Speaking of which, <laughs> I don't know if you saw after the, as you said, the exhibition game between the Storms and the Tigers, that there was a little bit of byplay between Cameron Smith. The Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> That's right, the, the Washington, Washington Generals. The Washington Generals. <laughs> In fact, why can't the NFL team call themselves the Generals? Because right now they're the Washington football team because mm. they're not the Redskins anymore. <laughs> what, what's, what's wrong with, with Generals? I'm just asking. Um, they had a little byplay at the after-match presses, you know, COVID safe, clean zone, dirty zone, where you had Cameron Smith, Brandon Smith, the block of cheese, who, by the way, is now like a slice of uh, tasty because <laughs> he couldn't eat for four weeks because of the wide of jaw and he's lost a lot of condition. He was very, very mm. mobile around the park, making, I feel, Harry Grant perhaps redundant for Melbourne. But anyway, mm. and so what they do is Cameron and Harry are having a chat and then Brandon crouches down behind Harry and then... Smith playfully pushes in order to trip Grant over. Well, I'll tell you what, Smith, I broke my arm that when someone did that to me once. What and was he the just, word for that? There you was break a, a lot of bones. What's, yeah, are you, yeah are I broke a brittle? lot of bones. It's yeah, a long way bad. to fall. Yeah. Yeah. Do you need a glass of milk or yeah. something? I, I, I've done a lot of bones, <laughs> let me tell you. Um, yeah, and so, um, so I think he's got uh, the moral panic going, he's got the screens going, the kids have got nothing to do. And then I don't know if you caught the Andrew Webster piece on the redemption story that is Jared mm. Mullen. Mm. who's aiming to come back to the NRL, basically according to the mass at the age of 35, and given Cameron Smith, it's possible. Yep. 
And when they went back to the panel on the Sunday footy show, Joey goes, buddy, dealt drugs, right? Joey or Freddie? Oh, sorry, Freddie. Because Joey, Joey, does, Joey <laughs> going, does he still? What has he got? On the other side of the argument. <laughs> <laughs> Freddie, Freddie goes, he dealt drugs, right? And uh, Webby goes, everyone's e something, aren't they? Um, hello, Joey. Uh, <laughs> he says, oh, but to fund his own habit, but he's gone through Shandall Earl's mother's counselling and he's all good now. And Freddie looks at the screen and goes, but dealing drugs is bad. Is he not in the next Berejiklian cabinet? Wow, well, I think he. I think he, he walks in. Maybe he could take John Barillaro's spot. I mean, that, <laughs> he seems to have a pretty good. Um, I, I know he now has uh, mental health issues, and I hope you, you're getting better, 100%. John. But but he does have a political uh, talent for self destruction. So there, well, see, there, there are openings all over the shop for, for a man like Freddie, aren't there? John Barillaro, of course, is a he's a Queen Bian born and bred boy, going for Manly. Ugh. I, I just love that vision of when Freddie was outside, you know, world's most handsome man at the time, outside the police station, drunk in the gutter, that he had a, uh, said, I have hit rock bottom and it is now my life's goal to become the leader of the New South Wales National <laughs> Party. And I, for one, would like to see him do it. Well, he has, when he was lying there, the police that found him, I'm sure I've mentioned this before, as well, the police woman that found him, the official report was the, the, there was a, a couple... One poli- the policeman says, hello, what have we got here? Didn't quite say hello, hello, hello. <laughs> no, 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 no. Just What's said hello, this, then? what <laughs> have we got here? here? Yeah. And the policewoman said, I don't know, but he's got a nice ass. <laughs> so he has a police, his police record says he has a nice ass. And at least you didn't try and twist his ankle, <laughs> Scott Scott. By the way, and, and you, you, you think I might be drawing a long bow here, but the hogs for the homeless aren't working in the urban areas. They're going out regionally, right? Yes. Spreading the word National Party style. And we're obviously huge <laughs> constituents. Yeah, we're huge. Exactly, we're huge fans of bludging on the blind side. We're very lucky to have HG on fire up generally once a year. They actually, I think it was Wellington. They had a prize caller come in last weekend where the hogs for the homeless had uh, visited, and the local said, "I got to be honest with you, a lot of those hogs didn't really pitch in. Just sat on their bikes taking selfies while the locals did the work." Really? So, Freddie, be get warned. the shovel. Get the shovel out, Freddie. Speaking of shovel, and you're a journalist, and um, uh, you were saying on the way in uh, about a piece you read about the Sharks being potentially the worst team in NRL history. What is the yeah. state of rugby league journalism as you see it? Oh boy, oh boy, I don't want to, I don't want to pee all over that journo, but um, yeah, you do. Young journos need to use fewer cliches. You'll notice I use the word fewer, not less there, because <laughs> f- fewer is a numerical term. It refers to how many, whereas less refers to how much. That's how you remember those two. Got it. Young rugby league journalists... I've got fewer things to remember now. Yeah, there you go. That's exactly <laughs> right. Uh, you've got less on your mind. Thank you. Yeah. I've totally forgotten where I was. <laughs> rugby league journalism is, is in a mess. Um, there are two things wrong with sport, modern sports journalism. This could be a whole podcast in its own right, but I'll keep this rant brief. The first thing is people just use cliches like the plague. Uh, yeah. And the second thing is people use too many statistics. I read an AFL story the other day. Um, what went wrong with your team that missed the eight this year? And it just went, well, you averaged 27 disposals and you didn't maximise the inside 50s and... You and I and everyone listening to this don't watch sport that way. We don't look at a game and go, oh, if only their conversion percentage was higher or something. Their disposals are more efficient. Yeah, you just go, there's no grunt in the middle. Their passes don't stick. And I'll, and, and, and dick face on the wing is is bloody making eyes at a woman in the crowd. Like, mm-hmm. you, you we, we watch sport in a way that young sports journalists aren't writing about it. And it absolutely infuriates me. Which brings me to this Sharks story that we had this week which um, 
began, I've got it here somewhere. Um, I had it. By the way, I think Dennis actually watches sport that way. <laughs> <laughs> here it is. It reads, the Cronulla Sharks run to the NRL finals has been anything short of smooth sailing. What? <laughs> really? Let's just, let's just bring that cliche in because, wow. because we can. With injuries regularly rocking the side, blah, 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 blah. But the side are staring, side is staring because the side is a singular object. The side is staring, but it says are. The side are staring down a straight sets exit from the finals if their 2024 mind continues. If you're going to use a tennis analogy about a straight sets exit, that's when you're minor premier and you lose two. Correct. Because to be in straight sets, you have to have at least two sets for them to be straight. Because otherwise, well, otherwise it's straight set. It's, Singular. And it's other, not straight sets. In which Plural. case, the tennis, the tennis analogy doesn't work. And since the Sharks are going to finish eighth and they only have one chance, they cannot, as this journo, who I admit I'm not being particularly polite to, but I'll stop short of naming here, this journo has written that they're, they're, they're facing a straight sets exit, but they're not. Because there's only one game, which they'll probably lose. Apart from that, the um, Chris, the, the story made a good point, didn't it? Yeah, it did actually. And and what makes me wonder if they've got spell check, could they have cliche check? Oh. <laughs> because you'd I'm scan it to Microsoft tomorrow. That's right, and you just yeah. you drop out straight sets and just put one and done. I believe back in the late '80s, HG and Roy were offering cliche the the opposite, where you could write an article and then fill it with sports cliches <laughs> at the press of a button. <laughs> Maybe it's happened. Yeah, I think it has. And, <laughs> and boy, truisms in sport. We talk a lot about it here. Like they've got to be the next team to score, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But as a, I am a basketball fan, and they keep saying about the NBA, it's a make or miss league. I've never played in a basketball game that isn't make or miss. But yeah. Yeah. Um, there's work to be done, and and in the time that we've got left, it'd be. It would ill behoove us not to mention uh, the work of the Overlord yet again this week who got on the front foot once more about the AFL Grand Final and the illusory benefits the Palaszczuk and her mob think it will deliver north of the border. And he said it's like taking ACDC fans to an ABBA concert. They might like the rhythm for a while, but they'll come back to the hard stuff. <laughs> Where are you on PVL? Are you a booster or are you a doubter? Um, I think the bloke treads a fine line between being an extremely proactive uh, doer and a bit of a bully. Um, I think he was a bit of a bully when he double teamed uh, that poor old head of the opera house with Alan Jones uh, over the Everest uh, advertising on the sales. But there's no doubt that that um, good PVL is a fantastic asset for the game. I love him giving it to, to the AFL a little bit. You know, why Why not? Why not? You know, Sydney is still a rugby league stronghold. It really is. Brisbane is still a rugby league stronghold. That is not to discount all the good work that teams like the Lions in Brisbane, the, the Giants and the Swans have done in Sydney. There are no and doubt... And the Suns on the Gold Coast. Oh, so, so easy to forget them. So easy to forget. Um, and and but, but why not stick it to them? Why not keep the flag planted here? Because it is a rugby league town and it probably always will be. Dennis, you had the choice, ACDC or ABBA as your halftime entertainment at the grand final. What would you take? At the AFL grand final, you'd no, take no, meatloaf no. every time because right, right. <laughs> that, was, that was the finest ever. The AFL, that's the one place where the AFL has beaten because, sure, Billy Idol did, he didn't even turn up, yeah. which is great. He, our, our, our kind but, host here at the Batuta Advocate uh, have published the story literally today that uh, if that's 
correct we're used to the word literally. <laughs> Don't you just start regulating yourself as a journalist? In the Sorry, room. I'll go away now. <laughs> uh, that uh, Donald Trump has announced that Meatloaf is replacing Ruth Bader Ginsburg on the Supreme Court. <laughs> and, and based on if you saw any of Meatloaf's performance when he got into an, art, uh, an argument accusing Gary Busey of taking his paints on Celebrity Apprentice, you'd think that's a wise appointment. But you are at the NRL Grand Final. Who do you want to see, ACDC or ABBA? Oh, at the NRL Grand Final, I want to see Bon Scott. I want to see Bon Scott singing a whole lot of Rosie. That's what I want to see. Wow. That's, no, I, know, I know that one's difficult, but you know, I'd take Brian Johnson's. I'd take the Brian Johnson Akadaka over. Uh, you know, you're of course the Brian Johnson of Fire Up. <laughs> you know, I, I was the other guy. I was listening to the radio the other day, and um, you know, an unfashionable thing to listen to in many ways. Just just see what music comes to you rather than having a playlist. Sure. You know, have you, have you ever done that in the last ten years? But actually, yeah, a lot. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. Tub Thumpin' came on by Chumbawamba. Ooh. And I actually, it's a brilliant song. It's a bloody good song. And I thought, that was a good rugby league season. What, what season was that when that was the anthem? But I'd, I'd like to see Chumbawamba come out and play Tub Thumpin'. Yeah, ah, not a bad idea. Piss Red. in the night. <laughs> it's <laughs> perfect. Red, Red from Pat thinks it's around about the early 2000s. Hmm. Yep. Chumbawamba is, a, I mean, I could... This is my special subject, right? Not Chumbawamba, but music. And I could go on forever about how Chumbawamba were a very, very politically driven group and the whole group was rent asunder by the commercial success of that track. Really? But I won't, nor will I bore you as to why ABBA is so badly... 1998, thank you, Redfern Pat. ABBA is so sadly underappreciated in this com- country because A, people think they're a good time band. B, the genius of ABBA is the second half of their career as the relationships fell apart. The mm. fulcrum was knowing me, Fleetwood knowing Mac you. Fleetwood Mac style. The Winner Takes It All, probably the saddest song ever written. The Day Before You Came, I Had No Sense of Living Without Aim, The Day Before You Came. That's the genius of ABBA, plus the fact that there's an enormously questionable lyrical content in ABBA. Oh, she was, yeah, 17-year-old Dancing girl. Queen, 17. What's, you, what's she doing yeah, in yeah. the club? Man in the middle, the guy's 50, she's Wasn't 17. Wasn't there a hot for teacher? Van Halen. Halen. They kissed the yeah, teacher. See, Van Halen was only hot for teacher. Yeah, you can do it. Sweet in the 70s. And you go back and listen to Gimme, 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 A Man After Midnight. Hello. That is a pee into cruising. And on that note, speaking of cruising being in the company of you two fine gentlemen who've known each other for a long time, and I'm sure you've done a bit of it in your time. It's been a <laughs> thrill to have you in the studio, Ant. Thank you so much. Hope you've enjoyed yourself. Thank you, Chris. I, I had a reasonable time. Yeah. <laughs> and, and as they always say, too. look, please come back. We'll never invite him back. And <laughs> uh, We'll definitely have him back. And Dennis, any uh, final words as your team, unlike ours, you know, catapults towards the, well, what do we call them, the semis? Well, I'm calling them the semis as, as my team. Well, I'm loving looking at my team now because Sammy Williams is playing halfback. And Sammy <laughs> Williams is going to have an epic love song written for him in the offseason because I absolutely adore have Sammy Williams. Have you got Williams. the Titans, is it? Uh, no, we've got the Sharks. Oh, the Sharks? Yeah, yeah, so we've got the Sharks and we've got the... This, I think the back line, if you take out Nick Cottridge, has three games this year so far. <laughs> That's that's a pretty experienced backline. Can I just simply close if we're closing on the Sharks? I was out there at the Old Girl on the weekend and Sean Johnson's ruptured his Achilles and he's given two thumbs up because I don't have to go into the <laughs> semifinals. <laughs> You've been a great studio audience. Pat? <laughs> You're on Fire Ups Quite Australia. We'll see you next week. Thanks. Goodbye. Bye.